Welcome to the Eating Habits for Life podcast. I'm Kate Johnston, certified habit coach, wife, stepmom, and former physician assistant. I help career women finally break free from their unhealthy eating habits. If you're ready to start feeling your best, then I can show you how. Let's go. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you've joined me today. If you haven't checked out the new website look, please do. I am loving it and I hope that you do as well. I like to freshen it up every once in a while and with my new membership program, Food Freedom, launching in later September, it was just the perfect time to do it. Speaking of that, if you don't know already, Food Freedom is my brand new membership that enables you to break your quote-unquote bad eating habits by addressing the underlying issues causing the eating behaviors. It also enables you to form any new habits that you've been wanting to form as far as your eating habits. It has many different features in it to help, kind of like a gym. The features are there, but you get to decide which ones work best for you and your schedule, even if you're a busy career woman. If you'd like, you can check it out at katemjohnston.com forward slash coaching, or you can get to it via the episode page under the For You section, or just by visiting my website, katemjohnston.com. While you're there, take a look around at the freshened up website look. I hope you like it. All right, so on to today's podcast episode. Today I'm going to help you out with some daily habits that will help you on your eating habit journey. Some of them make it easier for you to consciously make better choices with food, and some assist more with the internal processes when it comes to hunger and even the emotions driving the eating behaviors. There are five that I'm going to cover, but the last two are, in my opinion, perhaps the most valuable because you typically won't find them if you just Googled it, and they're definitely going to help your eating habits. I'm covering them last because the first three help to sort of prime you for the last two, meaning they help your overall health enough that you're better able to do the last two. So let's dive in. The first is to make sure you're feeling well rested. I'm putting it this way because if I say to make sure you're getting enough sleep, well, what is enough sleep? For some, it's six or seven hours. For others, it's nine to ten hours. The research that's out there strongly suggests that the average amount of sleep required by most humans is seven to nine hours per 24-hour period. So what's enough sleep for you? Maybe you feel great with just six, or maybe you don't feel well unless you've had at least nine. The objective is to make sure you feel well rested and that you can concentrate and focus, particularly when it comes to eating habits. So why is adequate rest so important for eating habits and how does it relate? Partly for your brain and its ability to make thoughtful and deliberate decisions and partly due to the hormones ghrelin and leptin. 
Several studies show that your brain is actually impaired somewhat when it comes to decision making when there is a lack of sleep. There was at least one study that found sleep deprivation can make you more impulsive even if you are someone who isn't normally impulsive. This means you're more likely to perform an action of eating certain foods or amounts for instant gratification rather than making more deliberate health-inspired choices. In short, you're more likely to choose cookies for lunch over the turkey, Swiss lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Now, the other reason why adequate rest is important for eating habits is those hormones, ghrelin and leptin. The release of ghrelin causes the hunger signal to occur more, so you're going to be more likely to eat. So ghrelin equates to hunger signal. Whereas the release of leptin causes a feeling of fullness, so you'll be more likely to stop eating when you're actually full. So leptin equates to fullness. Sleep impacts ghrelin by increasing the release of it, even just with one night of inadequate sleep. So you may have noticed you felt extra hungry on days you don't get much sleep, I actually notice this for sure. You know, nights that you only get three to four hours when you're awake all night because you just feel like your brain won't turn off, that happens to me sometimes. So lack of sleep means increased ghrelin, which means increased hunger, and contrast this with leptin. The studies I came across weren't consistent for a lack of sleep for just one night. Some resources suggested that the leptin sort of just stayed the same just for an acute lack of sleep or meaning lack of sleep for one night. Other resources suggest that there is a decrease in the release of leptin. So a chronic lack of sleep was shown to decrease the release of leptin from what I found, meaning less feeling of fullness, which can lead to overeating. So not so much just one night of poor sleep, but several weeks at a time of poor sleep. So if you're not sleeping well for several weeks at a time or several months at a time, you may not be getting those feelings of fullness as much as if you were getting about seven to nine hours of sleep a night almost every night. Aim for seven to nine hours of sleep in a 24-hour period if you can, since scientists suggest that this is a healthy amount for most. But of course, you know your body best and how well your brain functions on a certain amount of sleep, so shoot for the amount that you feel well-rested with and able to not make as impulsive of decisions. All right, so the next daily habit that can help your eating habits is exercise. This was a good one to follow the sleep on with because the other negative effect of not feeling well rested is that many people will then be less inclined to exercise that day. You know, of course, exercise burns calories, but that's not how it affects eating habits in a positive way necessarily. 
burning calories will actually tend to make you want to get those calories back and eat more, right? You're going to be more hungry typically. So how does exercise help with your eating habits then? A few different ways. One way is called the transfer effect. This is essentially where an individual will use the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors involved in one activity or goal for another activity or goal. So let me give you an example as it pertains to exercise and eating habits that was actually found by researchers in 2015. And I'm sorry that this episode is a little bit sciencey, but I think that it really kind of helps for you to understand if I explain with a little bit of the science stuff and sort of back up what I'm also um, saying in this episode as well, right? So developing a daily or almost daily exercise habit led to the desire and action of eating more fruits and vegetables. This is what was found in the study in 2015. This is thought to be due to the idea that improving one area of your life leads to the improvement of other areas, specifically with lifestyle habits, right? This is partly due to desire, but also skills developed in one area, leading to improved ability to improve another area. So skills learned when you start exercising daily or almost daily transfers over to eating habits, hence the term the transfer effect. Also, desire to develop an exercise habit leads to desire to develop better eating habits. Another way exercise helps with eating habits is just simply with mood elevation. Exercise has been shown over the decades to help elevate your mood. This can be helpful for anyone who is an emotional eater or uses food to help provide pleasure, right? Adding in a little exercise to your day can also take the place of other more sedentary activities where you might be more likely to grab a snack, right? If I didn't exercise daily, I would probably be using that time to maybe draw or paint or read more. Since these involve sitting, I'm probably going to be more likely to help myself to a glass of wine and snack while I'm doing them. Not that that's wrong, however, I likely wouldn't be reaching for the celery sticks. I'd probably be reaching for the tasty thing that provides much more pleasure to sort of go along with the activity that I'm doing. And also, since that activity isn't, you know, sort of full body stimulation or involvement necessarily, it might lead me to want to be stimulated additionally with some sort of snack, right? So my suggestion is to make sure you're getting a baseline amount of movement or exercise in that you feel you can do any day, no matter how busy, even if it's just 20 minutes. Then choose a few days a week that you can commit to increasing that amount of exercise. I really think it's important to just establish that smaller amount of baseline exercise, and that can just be simply going for a walk. It doesn't have to be anything majorly strenuous. But once you start 
dedicating yourself to that amount that you really feel like you can do every day and that you'll also enjoy to some extent, you're going to be more likely to continue with it and to actually do it enough to form a habit. All right, on to the third, hydration. I know you've heard that you should be getting around eight to nine cups of water a day and more like 10 cups on days that you might be sweating more, but how exactly can this help with eating habits? Did you know that it's quite common for us to confuse thirst signals with hunger signals? The part of the brain that interprets thirst and hunger signals is the hypothalamus. The signals of both can be somewhat similar. So sometimes interpretation of each can be somewhat inaccurate. If this happens often, it just makes it even more confusing. As a result, you may be interpreting thirst for hunger and eating when your body isn't really in need of calories. This can, of course, lead to overconsumption, which over time can lead to weight gain. Also, the stronger the thirst signal is, the stronger you may think the hunger signal is. Stronger hunger signals increase the likelihood of eating for instant gratification. So the discomfort of feeling hungry goes away. Of course it won't if it was a thirst signal, potentially leading to significant overeating, So what you can do to help avoid eating when you're really just thirsty is either being proactive and be very intentional with how much you're drinking, making sure that you're getting 8 to 10 cups a day depending upon how hot it is or how much exercise you're doing. The other thing you can do is each time you feel hungry, drink some fluids first, wait about 15 to 20 minutes, And if those hunger signals haven't dissipated, you're probably actually hungry and not just thirsty. The upside to that is even if you were truly hungry and not thirsty, you've just gotten a little more water in you so that later on in the day, you'll be less likely to get those thirst signals that could, of course, potentially be misinterpreted for hunger signals. It's a win-win. Okay, so we are down to the last two that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast are not talked about as much and are less likely to be found if you simply googled what daily habits help your eating habits. So the first is getting in the habit of planning ahead. I'll explain. When you plan ahead, whether it be the food you're going to eat or not eat, the amount, or even just planning small goals that will lead to larger goals, you're being more future focused rather than focusing on in the moment. When you're more in the moment, your brain is going to be looking more for that instant gratification. This means doing what will provide the most and the quickest pleasure avoid the most discomfort, or save the most energy. These three things are really what motivate humans. They make up the motivational triad, which is something you may have heard of before. You may have heard me talk about. So what kind of foods do you think provide the most short-term immediate pleasure? Basically, foods that are ultra-tasty, right? 
desserts, potato chips, french fries, candy, lobster mac and cheese, all the delicious foods. Probably not so much the steamed broccoli and rice or the chicken breast. I know for me, if I'm specifically looking for a treat, it's not going to be a chicken breast. What kind of foods do you think help to avoid discomfort? Whether that's the discomfort of a negative emotion, the discomfort of intense hunger signals, or the discomfort of having to physically prepare something to eat that's healthier, especially if you're already feeling that your time is limited after a long day at work. Probably the delicious foods that raise dopamine more to try to counteract the negative emotion or the quick, convenient packaged food that has less healthy ingredients but saves time and provides instant gratification. Finally, what kind of foods do you think will help save energy? Definitely the convenient packaged foods that are easy and take minimal to no energy to prepare. So the frozen dinner rather than the homemade black bean tacos with the peppers and onions that you've sautéed to go along with it. When you develop a daily habit of planning ahead, you're using your prefrontal cortex rather than the more primitive part of the brain that really just wants to have instant pleasure, avoid discomfort, and save energy. Your prefrontal cortex is thinking about your future and your health and your goals. When you plan ahead for the next meal or tomorrow or even next week, you're making more deliberate decisions rather than the in-the-moment decisions. Deliberate decisions are always going to be better when it comes to eating habits. That's because you're more likely to choose something to eat that is in line with promoting good health and in line with your goals. You can plan ahead simply by deciding you'll pack lunch for work that day rather than get takeout. You can plan ahead by simply getting out a bowl and some oatmeal the night before so that you're more likely to eat a healthy breakfast at home, maybe instead of stopping for a pastry on the way to work. You can even plan ahead by deciding how much dessert you'll have the next night instead of deciding when you're already eating the dessert, which of course isn't likely to end well for you unless you have really excellent self-control. You can also plan ahead by deciding that you'll eat two more servings of vegetables next week than you did this week. Those are just some examples. Developing a daily habit of planning ahead gets you to think about your future, even if it's just the near future. Practicing this daily helps you to make eating habit decisions more deliberately and in a more controlled manner, which is what it's all about. That's how you really start breaking your bad eating habits, by getting control rather than acting impulsively or automatically. Habits are behaviors that have been done on repeat that you don't even need to consciously think about to do. To break habits, you need to stop the cycle of the unconscious by using the prefrontal cortex to become more deliberate so you're able to then more consciously control your eating behaviors. 
All right, so the last of the daily habits that help eating habits that I'm going to cover in this episode is to take care of your emotional health and well-being. Why is that? Well, your feelings are a common driver of your actions or behaviors that can lead to a particular eating habit. If you identify as an emotional eater, you probably already understand that. So not all actions and behaviors are habitual or are habits, but all actions and behaviors are affected by your feelings or emotions. Therefore, taking care of your emotional health can absolutely have a positive impact on your eating habits. Conversely, not taking care of your emotional health can have a negative impact on eating habits. Also, I just want to note here that some people do take care of their emotional health as far as what they can do on their own, but may need some extra help from a professional or even sometimes medications. Regardless of the circumstance though, doing what you can to take care of your emotional health and well-being can be very beneficial to your eating behaviors and of course your eating habits. When you're feeling any sort of negative emotion either at certain times of the day or even all day, food can be seen as something that provides some pleasure and of course some relief from the negative emotion. When you eat something tasty while feeling a negative emotion such as embarrassment or guilt or anxiety, you get a short hit of pleasure from a rise in dopamine, a hormone. That goes away quickly, unfortunately, so then your brain wants more of that tasty food to get that pleasure back. You can see how this can result in a cycle, ultimately at risk for becoming a habit, right? When you take care of your emotional health, you're not necessarily making yourself happier, so to speak. Maybe you are, but not necessarily. What you're helping to do, though, is better be able to process or manage your emotions and not letting them affect your eating behaviors. You're not as likely to act on those emotions by eating something just to get that little dopamine hit that doesn't last. So what can you do to help with your emotional health and well-being on a daily basis? Well, some people like to journal, some people like to do a little bit of meditation, some like to chat with someone they love, some people get benefit from listing a few things they're grateful for, some like to spend at least 30 minutes doing a hobby a day. For me, going for a run by myself with my dog or with a friend helps my emotional well-being. Also, meaningful conversation with my husband Paul, I've also found to be really therapeutic. So everyone has a little bit something different that they feel can really help them emotionally. And then certainly there are lots of different ways that you can take better care of yourself emotionally with some tools and understanding your emotions and how to process them. We can oftentimes really focus on the physical things that we can do, but what about the emotional or mental things that we can do for our health, especially since the emotional things can greatly affect our physical health? That's why a large part of food freedom focuses on the more mental or emotional side of it because without addressing that, eating habits are a lot more difficult to change. So... 
I hope this episode was really helpful, maybe even somewhat enlightening. So just as sleep, exercise, and hydration are really important for your health, and more specifically your eating habit health, planning ahead and emotional well-being are greatly important as well. Go check out Food Freedom and the new fresh website look. Take care. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk with you soon. Hey, if you're ready to free yourself from your bad eating habits, then I invite you to join me inside Food Freedom, my membership made specifically for career women who want control of their eating habits without having to rely on willpower. To learn more, head on over to katemjohnston.com forward slash coaching. I'll see you there.